Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. Yes, that could mean you too. The workouts have been designed to fit into your life so you can move when you can. The 15 minutes you can squeeze in before work. The 20 minutes you get to yourself while the baby naps. The half hour you can spare at lunch. There's a routine for you no matter what your day looks like. A reminder as well, this is included in your Mum Mia subscription. If you are a Mum Mia subscriber, you already have access to Move. Download the Move app and log in with your Mum Mia login. Head to move.mamamia.com.au and use code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. From Mamma Mia, welcome to the Spill Your Snackable Daily podcast where we talk about everything entertainment every day. Hi, I'm Laura Brunick and I'm Mamma Mia's entertainment editor. And I'm Key Reese, back from a couple of days off. I'm from Mamma Mia's influencer agency called Social Squad. Missed you, buddy. Thank you, I missed you too. On the show today, the 2020 Met Gala theme has been announced and it is just as confusing as ever. They're showing a lot of florals right now, so I was thinking I can Florals? For spring. Groundbreaking. And the Veronica's new reality TV show premiered last night. What did we learn about their year-long feud? Lisa and I didn't talk for a year. I was in a relationship that wasn't good for me. I became very isolated. I had nobody anymore. She gave it a red-hot go. For now, though, Georgie's enjoying the time with her family, with her friends, taking Wilbur the dog for a walk. And we look forward to seeing you, Georgie, on our screens again very soon. Enjoy the sleepings. Absolutely. But to kick off the show today, Carl Stefanovic is back. The ousted Today Show host was announced on Friday as coming back to the Today Show to co-host along with Alison Langdon, who is a current affairs journalist, most recently on 60 Minutes. And it's a bit of a big one. The director of News at Nine said this, it was a bold decision to try something new with two women hosting, and sadly that has not worked. I was really shocked by this announcement. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, so I would have been shocked about a couple of months ago, but I just think that it's been building kind of behind the scenes and in the media and the, and the rumours and stuff for so long that it did, when it came out, everyone was like, it was expected. But yeah, pretty sad turn of events across the board. Yeah, so obviously since Carl was ousted, Georgie Gardner and Deb Deborah Knight, who um, really great journalist, came on to replace him. Uh, well, Georgie Gardner staying, but Deb Knight replaced him. And obviously the ratings continued to fall, which was something that was happening back when Carl was hosting amidst some kind of personal icky stuff going on. And obviously after Lisa Wilkinson left, especially ratings really went down. So they've been trying to drive a sinking ship and it hasn't quite worked out for them. Exactly. The low ratings have all been very much linked to the fact that it was an all-female hosting duo and people saying they just weren't tuning in. But the low ratings were happening before that. Um, So obviously it all came out over the weekend. Georgie Gardner gave an interview to Nine's newspapers and websites talking about what it had meant to her. And she said that she was very disappointed, but she'd given it a great go and she was, you know, sad. She said she was very disappointed that it had happened this way. And then obviously the whole thing with hosting a morning show is that now she's completely gone from that show, but the host still had to front up this morning and host live TV. So they had to sort of on air confront the elephant in the room and kind of acknowledge in a way that wasn't kind of playing into the drama, but acknowledge she wasn't there. So this morning on the Today Show, it opened with Deborah Knight and Tom Steinfort 
And um, Deborah kind of tried to smooth away and she said, we just want to acknowledge our colleague, Georgie Gardner. And then she said, you might have read over the weekend what's happened and that she's after a very challenging year she's left. And then she said she gave it a red hot go, which is kind of true. Yeah, she really did. Something in um, Georgie's um, statement to the Sydney Morning Herald really struck me. She said that she had no regrets, even though the scrutiny and public discourse has been daunting and disproportionate, which I think is a really accurate description of what it was. Yeah, and I thought Carl's um, kind of first comment to the Sydney Morning Herald where he gave the big interview announcing it saying he's just as surprised as anyone. It can't be completely true because obviously that's this has been in the works for a while. Well, Georgie even said she's known about it for two weeks. Oh, of course, yeah. Something like this doesn't just happen as a kind of flash in the pan split decision. But I just think it, and maybe this is boiling it down to too simplistic a point, but I think this whole reshuffle has just come back to the idea that Australian TV just gets really attached to recycling the same faces over and over again. It's why like every time there's a big drama or something, it's always like a blonde actress like Jessica Murray. It's why the same people who are in Home and Away are always on Neighbours. It's why Grant Denyer has hosted every TV show <laughs> under the yeah. sun. You know what I mean? People just don't like Change. Australian TV is really rooted, well, at least free to air, is really rooted in this kind of familiarity with hosts and this idea that they just need those same faces and they're kind of linking that to not the way that our TV watching trends have changed, just like, oh, we've got to keep these same people on TV and then we'll have the success we had 10 years ago where that's not completely true. Yeah, things have really changed. Well, they haven't announced the full lineup yet, so there's no word on what's going to happen to entertainment reporter Richard Wilkins and also Brooke Boney, but that announcement should come and we'll see Carl and Alison in the chairs sitting behind the desk in early January 2020. The 2020 theme for the Met Gala has been announced. So for those of you who don't know, the gala is the launch party for the Metropolitan Museum's Costume Institute's annual fashion exhibition in New York City. So whatever the exhibition is, often will then dictate what the launch party will be. And this year, it is, get ready for it, drum roll please, about time, fashion and duration. So it's going to be the 150th anniversary of the museum and the exhibit will trace more than a century and a half of um, costume design. What did you think about the announcement, Laura? Um, I think that the the theme is pretty much on par with what they usually have. So last year it was camp and obviously there was a kind of a bigger meaning behind that exhibition. The year before that, Catholicism, was it? And religion? Yeah, that one was really good though. That was Yeah, that was great. That was a bit of an awkward situation for a lot of people dressing in theme for that. But I think this year is kind of the timeless element will give like way to a lot of good fashion, which is kind of all people care about going into this event. Yeah, definitely. And they've also announced who will be co-hosting. This is the exciting part. So starting with Nicholas Gasqueray, who is a famed designer, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Emma Stone, and the one and only Meryl Streep. Of course, Anna Wintour, but back to Meryl Streep. How good is that? Everyone loves a little yeah, bit of Meryl. Yeah, the Meryl Streep of this is the exciting part because she hasn't she hasn't attended before, or if she has attended the Met Gala, there's not a lot of photographic evidence because I was just going through the archives and she's not an actress who's known for showing up every year. No, she's, I mean, she's a serious actress. She's got four children, a husband. She, she's, yeah, you know, she and her husband who's a sculptor, they live in Connecticut away from like, you know, the big the, the Hollywood them. and that sort of stuff. So they're very out of that scene. They're more in the artistic scene, which is probably why she's crossed over to this. I mean, I don't think she's there for the celebrity element. I think she'd yeah. be more there because she's quite a well-known person in the art world. I can't wait to see what she wears though. I can't wait to see her and Anna Wintour, like, because obviously there's the Miranda Priestley factor of oh it. Like, God, we're just not course. addressing that. Oh my- Oh my God, 
I didn't even think about that. You guys, Devil Wears Prada, the two people exactly, are coming together. Exactly, the two editors coming oh, together. I've just dropped my notes <laughs> on the ground. There you go. Down. Down. Did you not put that together? I didn't. So because there's no actual beef between them about that of role. Because not. instead of attacking each other over that, they both attacked the writer, which I think is quite funny. Do you know how back when she was doing Devil Wears Prada stuff and Lauren Weisberger, who wrote that book, and had famously worked for Anna Wintour. So Meryl Streep said that she took the role because she liked how the scriptwriter had done the character. She didn't like how it appeared in the book. She said she'd spoken to Anna about it. She hadn't based on her. And she said, this is the most cutting thing Meryl Streep had ever said, of the author Lauren Weisberger. She said she had been better off at Vogue learning under Anna Wintour than writing, like, you know, nasty notes about her for a novel, which is just cutting. But it'll be interesting to see the two kind of, like, famous editors, both the subject and the actress who played her, co-host this event together. It's going to be so Look, iconic. Your face is so I cannot happy. wait. I hope she wears Prada. How good would that be? <laughs> Bloody roast me. I'm a chicken. I'm done. Whatever that saying is. That's what I'm saying to that. We became the Veronica. We toured the world. Our first release went four times platinum. We experienced freedom and the sometimes harsh realities of living life in the public eye. No matter what, though, we had an unbreakable bond and a connection with music that would always bring us back together, even in the hardest times. I feel so untouched. It really upsets me that you don't know the words that song. That's like the anthem of our generation. I've really got to learn it then, don't I? So episode one of The Veronica's Blood is for Life aired last night on Foxtel and MTV and it did not disappoint. So the episode largely centred around their year-long feud, um, which was part of Jess's relationship with famed Australian actress Ruby Rose. What did you think? I loved it. Interesting that they never actually said Ruby Rose's name. There's they just probably some- flashed a headline that <laughs> exactly. said Ruby Rose. I There's was like, probably Ooh, a subtle. lot of legal issues there. No, they yeah, exactly. They just kept talking about this big relationship that she'd been in, and they just they would then flash the news story. So like, they were not. They're like, we're not saying it. We're just putting the news coverage yeah. out there. It started really intensely. It I really was like did. hoping for a bit of a lead in, a bit of a kind of like, you know, an introduction to who they are, some fashion stuff, some travel stuff. The first image was of Jessica, who was in the relationship with Ruby Rose, kind of breaking down on camera and talking mm. about the fact that not only had she feuded with her twin sister, for or hadn't spoken for over a year, but she'd also dropped out of contact with her family, with her parents, with like the rest of their wider family for a whole year over her relationship with Ruby Rose. That is heavy. So heavy, but I also found like it was really relatable. I think a lot of people have been in those relationships when they're all consumed by the person that they're dating and they really, really isolate themselves. And I knew exactly how she was feeling in that moment and that she, you know, she eventually got it drummed up the courage to be able to leave and then Lisa was just waiting for her because she knew that she'd come back. I felt really lucky that we would be, I know this probably sounds really dramatic, I'm so lucky, but I felt really lucky that we were able to be welcomed in to their life in this thing. If this is anything to go by the first episode for the rest of the series, I just think it's their, their bond is really special and they are obviously quite private. It felt really nice to be able to see that side of them. Yeah, it was a big swing to go in so hard and so emotional so early, but I think also a very calculated decision from a production point of view because yes, they knew bring that bring me back down to earth, Laura, bring me back down. <laughs> because I think they knew that's what people were really interested in knowing about and there's something to be said for the Kardashian method of storytelling, which is like what I think they're going for is that they've, don't give me that look, is that they've obviously, they filmed the show a while ago, they're able to sit back, 
back, look at the coverage, look at the conversation, look at the outcome from it, and then shape the TV show to answer all those questions, which is what the Kardashians do. Yeah. They always, like, they never announce anything on TV. They never drop any bombs. Their TV show is always just a reaction to media headlines that have been. And I think the Veronica's doing that was really smart. Yeah, and I also thought... Them doing so, they it starts off obviously they've just launched um, a little bit of new music and they're going on the Kyle and Jackie O show to chat about it. And the song that they've launched is obviously about her relationship with Ruby Rose and just how nervous she was going into it. Yeah, that and, footage was really interesting. She's realizing, crying in yeah. the radio station. And I remember listening to that interview, um, as, like watching the video. They always film the interviews, and like she looked so strong and fine. But to know, like up until that moment, until she walked in there, she was literally so upset and so worried about it. Well, imagine doing your first interview back after a year about the biggest public breakup, oh, most know. emotional thing you've ever been through with Kyle Sandilands. Yeah. At least he got right to it. He was like, so you and Ruby Rose, done, hey, let's chat about it. Very intense. So she yeah. did handle that well. So I like that they mixed a lot of light and shade with the storyline they were telling. So obviously we had all that really emotional, dramatic stuff. But on the flip side of all that drama, we also got to see how they live as normal women and how they were saving money. And so yeah. they brought their own lunch to the recording studio. And then Relatable couldn't figure out how to heat it up in the microwave. Yeah, look, we've all been there when we've had to do a little Google search. I love it how she's like, <laughs> it's been like 10 minutes since they realised they couldn't cook, there wasn't a stovetop or whatever, and she's like, turns out you can cook pasta in a microwave. So I loved that. But I also loved, I think that we need to talk about this, the cosmetic procedure that they had. So they oh, both yes. went in, and I just thought it was so interesting. They didn't directly say what it was, but they said, you know, we go for facials all the time, and now we're going for this procedure, and we go, it goes underneath the skin. So obviously like fillers or whatever. But that they were really I open it was some about sort it, of like needling or something. No, I don't know. We need to ask the You Beauty. It podcast was definitely this fillers. is not our forte that I think we can talk yeah, about. Yeah, but I just thought it was really interesting how they were really open about it and honest and didn't kind of shy away from it. And it it wasn't a big deal because they just kind of it was part of whatever they were doing. Yeah, it didn't feel like a, like that much of a curated TV show. I mean, obviously there there are things that would have been filmed just for the TV show, like them going to the school and singing and that sort of stuff. But I thought overall it was very. It just felt very open, which was good. But a lot of drama there. And that's only the first episode. We've got many more to go. Yes, and I cannot wait. So the Veronica's Blood is for Life airs every Sunday at 6pm on MTV and Foxtel. Thank you for listening to The Spill today. We love hearing from you. So if you have any topic suggestions or any hot tips, make sure you email us at thespill at mamamia.com.au. And did you know we have a daily newsletter? It's everything celebrity, everything entertainment. For our best stories of the day, straight to your inbox every evening, go to mamamia.com.au forward slash newsletter and sign up to Mamma Mia Celebrity. The Spill is produced by Hannah Bowman. We'll see you on mamamia.com.au. Bye. Bye.